This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And good morning. Yes, indeed. It's Charlie Dobbin, The Garden Show special guest. Welcome back, Paul DeGroote. Good morning, everybody. Yeah, you're looking... Good to be here. You're looking I good think. for somebody who is wedding, partying, dancing till the no, wee hours. No, I don't dance. I oh, can't dance. You I can, can sing, but I can't dance. <laughs> True, you can sing. You're, you're in a choir, right? Which has not really met very often since... Uh, the pandemic, I guess. Yes, yes. Just no Zoom uh, rehearsals? It's really hard to sing on Zoom. You think? It just... <laughs> it's not the same. You can't hear each other. It just <laughs> right. doesn't... Yeah. You can't. Do you sing in the shower? No. What? Not ever. What? When you're working? Uh, Sing to the plants? No. No. I know the plants like music, but I don't provide it. I think you need to consider reconsider that. Paul works for NVK Nurseries, which is a wonderful, high-quality grower of all plants. You know, perennials, like herbaceous perennials, trees, shrubs, everything, thousands and thousands of plants. Over hundreds of acres, really, uh, in the Dundas area. Now, this is a wholesale nursery, so not just anybody can go shopping, but I have shopped there. Paul has helped me. And my neighbors are pretty jealous about some of the plants that I've planted. (laughs) And I'm going to say that that's probably not only the quality of NPK, but also your design sense is not too bad either. Oh, thanks, Paul. But no, the, the plants are, generally speaking, doing really well. And of course, this rain last week was, yes, we really we've needed had, that. We've had lots and lots of rain this year. Last year, you were struggling yeah. to keep that stuff alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this year, I had no rain at all in August. Like, oh, you down southwest yeah. were getting more. No, we got the big dump this week, but that's the first rain. And I'll tell you, our well went up about 10 feet, but we got, you know, five inches of rain equals 10 feet in your well. How that works, I do not understand. So listen, before we yammer on too much, why don't you give everybody the phone numbers? Because we do want people to call in and chat with us. And you are a plant expert in your your own right because of all your thousands of years of working with thousands of plants. So give us a call. uh, 1-866-740-4740 for most of Ontario. If you're really close by 416- Three six zero zero seven forty. Call early, call often, and one question for call. There, I nice. even got it right. There you go, the mantra. Because Paul listens to the show. I think what on your phone at work on Saturdays, or I don't listen to radio on my phone. Oh no, I get it. Not actually, like not quite a transistor radio, but just about oh, that old, like a radio, like, <laughs> like a real radio. radio. What do they? Do they still exist? They still make those things. <laughs> I thought everything was all on smartphones or computers because, you know, we are streaming live right now on the web. So, you know, friends out there can see us chatting here, which is great. So, again, welcome back. So nice to see you, Paul. And we will just take a brief break and then we'll come right back and talk to John, who's calling in from Mississauga. 
Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Uh-huh. Now, I would just like to say that I have a special guest, Paul DeGroote. Welcome back. Why, thank you. And Paul's going to be a great help because I can see that John is calling in from Mississauga, and we know John. Apparently you know John. Yes, we do know John. He's a pretty consistent caller, and he grows quite a lot of fruit trees and edibles. So good morning, John. What's going on at your place? Good morning, Charlie. Good morning, Paul. I'm not kidding. By uh, me growing a lot of uh, fruit trees this year, the abundance is... Thank God and Thanksgiving, man. But anyhow, um, that's the problem, Charlie. I have um, a Red Delicious with three uh, three kinds. Like I have, um, I think, a, not I think, a Macintosh, and I think a Chinese uh, apple. But anyhow, okay. the Red Delicious, though, yeah. they're all kaput, and I did. But the others are perfect. <laughs> the same with the Golden Delicious; they're perfect. The, the, the uh, pears were perfect. Why? What do you think happened? And they're all like deformed, and uh, but only the red delicious. Okay. Well, we know when we've got red, uh, any deformed apples, we go back. What do we go back to? I was going to say coddling moths. No, we go back to spring. It's a spring infestation. So, yeah. did you do the dormant spray to all the trees? Oh yeah, twice. twice. And I did the um, I did the Bordeaux. Okay. Oh, all right. When did you do that? Um, well, uh, the, the, the um, what you call it, the dormant oil I did twice. I did in, in, in the end of March and, and um, sort of when the, uh, before the bud starts. Good. And then <clears throat> maybe what, four weeks later or, or whatever, I did uh, the air spray. But I did the same on the, all the trees. I have, as you yeah. know, Charlie, I have nine trees. Yeah, yeah. The peaches this year were fantastic. I know. I had 98 Such... pounds of peaches, Charlie. Ooh, that's a from, lot. <laughs> from one tree. Peach bushes. Wow. Okay, but was that... So, did the tree break any branches with all that fruit being allowed to grow? Well, well, well Charlie, Charlie, tell you the truth. On, on, the, on the Golden Delicious, I have nine, nine, nine pieces of two-by-fours Holding the branches. I've seen and I, and that. I, I tend them. I tend so much, but you know, I only can do so much with my age. I know. You know? But, but yeah, uh, thin, thin, but anyhow, but this is annoying for, because, like I said, I, I when was it last week when when the art race came in? I I uh, took so many of them that I felt so bad that I'm taking all these these uh, red delicious off mm-hmm. and put them in the garbage. Yeah, you probably are going to be composting those because so often with the fruits, I mean, we obviously are harvesting fruit at the end of the season, but so often the damage took place way, way back yes, when the that, flowers to, were I happening. didn't want them in there, child, yeah, when, when I'm not going to use them. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just, right, you're not going to use them. Well, so meaning what, that you might think you might want to get rid of the tree or... No, no, no. Oh. No, I took, I took, I would call it, I took all the, the, 
sorry, let's put it this way. I took all the bad apples yeah. from the tree. Right. No, no, the tree is fine. Yeah. The leaves okay. are fine. Yeah, and I don't know why that tree, there's, I mean, Red Delicious are, they're all specific and different uh, in the way they grow and the fruit they produce. Uh, you know, Yellow Delicious, all of them. And so there's something obviously about the Red Delicious that um, attracted yeah. what is was likely apple maggots way back. It could have even been curculios, and these are tiny, tiny little insects that actually in either they're biting or they're laying eggs back when you're almost at the flower stage, just right mm. at pollination. And then they're there. They're there and they're destroying and deforming the fruit as it grows bigger and bigger. But why why Red Delicious? Sugar. It's very why sweet. Because, the, the, like I said, the others, let me, you know, the others are, you know, fine. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so there's, I'm just and I don't know what, what else to say. Actually, I was in the computer, and, and Charlie, mm. if I may, mm-hmm. I hope I'm not holding, but if I may, I, I've seen a spray with um, soap, Mm-hmm. Uh, baking soda mm-hmm. and and uh, what's that? An oil, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna try that. Well, hopefully <laughs> next spring. But mm-hmm. anyhow, but this one, like you said, it's it, it's it's funny. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's funny or well, it's uh, just, what happened, right? Well, I think honestly, without you know spending some bunch of time really researching down deep into what's special or different about Red Delicious, we know the sugar content in those apples is very high uh, in comparison to many other apples. It could be something as simple as that, that it's just that much sweeter, higher sugar carbohydrates has made it more attractive to pests. Mm-hmm. That's just off the top of my head. But uh-huh. um, but yeah, so I think you're right, John, going to have to do some some extra work for that one next year. Do you want me to send you a, a picture, maybe of a couple, and then you answer me. I mean, you can answer me on uh, next time if you don't mind. Sure, if you want to like uh, take a couple apples, slice them in half, take some pictures, show me what they look like on the outside and on the inside, and I'll see if I can identify what's caused the problem. It shouldn't yeah. be that hard to figure that out. But then, why is the next question? But yeah. thanks, John, and good luck okay. with that. Thanks for calling. Thank you. Thank and, you. Yeah, we'll talk again soon. I'm sure. <laughs> we have to. Um, Unfortunately or fortunately, listen to another message from our sponsors. But just before we do that, I do have an announcement. Alliston Garden Club. They are meeting this Tuesday, September 28th. It's a virtual meeting. Anybody is welcome at the virtual meetings, of course. Ken Brown is the speaker. Do you know Ken Brown? That does not sound familiar. Yeah, he's very involved with the Garden Writers. Um, so he would have been at Canada Blooms with the Garden Writers back in his day. And he's, he's been around in the horticulture world for quite a number of years. He is speaking on putting your garden to bed. If you're interested in attending, and of course, Alliston is always in fundraising. It's one of the best $15 you can spend to join a Hort Society. Trust me. Absolutely. It's a one-year membership to a whole bunch of people that will ultimately be your friends. And uh, 15 bucks, join the Alliston Garden Club, contact them at Alliston Garden Club 1925, one word, Alliston Garden Club 1925 at gmail.com if you want to get in on that meeting on Tuesday night. So, sponsors, and we'll be right back. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. That's Charlie Dobbin and Paul DeGroote today. Ooh, smile. You're on camera and you're on radio. And on radio. 
I think about too many things all at the same time. I'm not good at this. You are good at this. We've got Joni calling in from Burlington. Good morning, Joni. Or Joan. Good morning, um, Paul. Um, I have a problem with a, a small garden off my patio. Mm-hmm. as much as it's hairy roots, it's completely, you know, impossible to dig. There are two very large maple trees about uh, 20, 25 feet away, plus a cedar hedge. Mm. Now, I'm thinking, if I have all that soil removed... Could I put down um, uh, heavy plastic with some um, gravel and then some good topsoil? No, the, the those trees are all providing a lot of competition. And if you put anything there, you put some new soil there, they're going to find a way to get to it. That's right. you get even more roots. <laughs> <laughs> I know. When I dig something, even, I mean, even with a little hand spade, I pull out the roots and it's about 18 inches long. They're that bad. Mm-hmm. It's almost matted, actually, right now. And it's only happened the past, what, five years? Okay, it might be, and this happens, if we water our lawn, we put out the sprinkler, and we do that little superficial watering, and we don't ever water truly deep down for the trees, we end up with tree roots up on the surface because they go where they grow where the water is. Mm-hmm. So that is something I've seen many times. Lindens are some, one of the worst for this, where you get all this roots at the right, you know, can't mow your lawn anymore because the roots are sticking up out of the lawn because you have failed to water deeply and encourage deep roots. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'd be inclined. So you want to plant this garden? This is kind of a challenge for you now is how do I plant a garden when I can't get into the soil? There's too many roots. Yeah, yeah. You know what I've done sometimes? I have, number one, start with small plants. The smaller the plants, the easier it's going to be to, to grow them. And I choose the pockets between the roots. You know, you just poke along with your shovel. I mean, you've got your perimeter laid out with a, a hose or a, you paint it. You know where your garden's going to be. Mm-hmm. And then it's just a matter of where can I actually get plants in between these roots. Uh, you are going to cut some roots along the way. You're going to have to. So have loppers, sharpen your shovels, you know, pruners, and, and you're going to find the pockets. I mean, I, I remember I planted one of my most favorite trees in the whole world, um, a dog, Venus dogwood. And I fit it in between. In a, I made the root ball into the shape of a V because if I fit it in between two roots of a big old honey locust, uh, because it, well, I mean, it was out beyond you know twenty feet away from the honey locust, but, but that honey it was. Locust has- it provided that dappled shade, and we wanted a dappled shade over the dogwood, but I wanted to plant it there. You know what I mean? It was one of those, I'm going to make this work, and Elliot was laughing hysterically. He goes, you're never going to make that work. It was like, oh, yeah, watch oh. me. <laughs> watch me. And as soon as you tell me I'm not going to do it, that's when I'm going exactly. to do it. Exactly, and it did fine. But, you know, once it was planted, I knew I was challenging it into that spot, so I made a real point of watering it deeply, talking to it daily, admiring it, showing all the neighbors so they could admire it, and uh, it, did, it did really well. So I think the challenge is there, but you can plant in amongst those roots, but then you have to be very specific to look after the plants you've planted. Right. Actually, I don't see any big roots. They're all just very fine, yeah. hairy roots. Sharp and shovel. Um, even the small the small little begonias that I've been, they haven't really been able to... My son dug it for me, but he mm. couldn't dig. All he did was put a trench in, put the plants down, oh. and they didn't spread like they normally do. Right. And around the perimeter of the garden, it's like a, a, a semicircle, I have a, a concrete wall. Mm-hmm. So it, it's going to point, the, the hostas go there fine. Mm-hmm. It's semi, I would say semi sun, not semi shade, mm-hmm. maybe two, two and a half hours sun in the morning and the same at the end of the mm-hmm. day. 
rest of the day is just all the shade from these two maple trees. Well, I mean, if you, you know, you, the begonias obviously would be happy in a situation like that. I would definitely amend that root filled soil with organic material, composted manure when planting the begonia. So next spring. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and definitely sharp shovel. Don't hesitate to cut some of those roots out. That tree can and, afford to lose a couple of roots. Yeah. And they're just like the fibrous, small fibrous roots. And you're right. They could be com- coming from any of those trees. But don't worry about pulling roots. I mean, it, it's a bit of a challenge, but do it. Amend the soil, get the plants, and water the plants. And I think you'll see if you give them a good start next spring, they'll thrive better than they did this year. So it wouldn't do much good removing all the soil and putting new stuff in? Uh, it's more trouble than that. it's worth. Yeah. It's a lot of work to do that, and why? You know, And you need a machine to remove all those roots anyway. And then you might do more damage to the trees than you want to. Oh, I would yeah. <laughs> remove the roots you want, like that you need to remove in order to plant what you want. I wouldn't try removing them all, because like Paul said, they're just going to grow back. Oh, well, yeah, I know. I know when I do water the garden, um, the little patch there, I water for a good two hours, maybe once, if it's very dry, twice a week. Hmm. Um, I don't get over towards the trees, that's for sure. No, that's, all, that's fine. Remember, you think you're watering a tree when you're standing at the base of the trunk with a hose. Mm-hmm. You're not. There's no roots there. Oh, wow, there's a few <laughs> the roots. The roots that not. are at the base of the trunk are ones that are holding the tree up, not the feeder roots. There's no absor- roots that absorb moisture at trunk. It's all way out, like so far away. You can't believe how far away the roots are off okay. of trees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you're running into them. Exactly. So, so that, yeah. All right. Well, I mean, two hours sounds like a lot of, a lot of water with a sprinkler and you can measure your water, put out an empty tuna fish can, you really should need about an inch of water a week into an established garden. Mm-hmm. So, so don't overwater either. Okay. So let us know, Joan. Good luck with that. And uh, that's a, that's an interesting problem to have, but you know, it's a like, heck of a horrible problem to have. I know. <laughs> Especially when you get older and you can't dig that well. <laughs> good yeah, luck. Thanks. thanks for calling. Thank you. righty. And we've got Pat waiting patiently on the line. Good morning, Pat. Good morning. How are you today? Excellent. Calling in from Scarborough. What's going on? Yes, I am. Well, I have a problem with my uh, clematis. It's a Jillian Blades. I've had it there for about 15 years, and it used to bloom beautifully. About the last four years or so, I've only had maybe half a dozen blooms on it. I usually cut it back in the spring, early spring, to about 18 inches high. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if um, maybe I'm cutting it back too drastically, oh, no. or, or should I be I cutting it back in the fall? Mm-hmm. All right. Go ahead, Paul. I know a little bit about clematis. Ah, so okay. Clematis. Clematis, exactly. Uh, there are three different classes of clematis. Mm-hmm. And each of them requires pruning at a different time of the year. And Charlie is pretty quick with this little computer she's got in front of her. <laughs> there you can look. It's funny. Large flowered clematis means it's a it's like a it's like a Jack Manny. Jack Manny is probably the best known clematis out there with the blue purple flowers, flat typically flowers. Yeah, I'm mine are white with just a little blue tinge. Yeah, I'm yeah. wondering has it gotten shadier over the years? Trees have grown and this plant is getting no. less sun. No. More competition from no. something else. Yeah, is no. there anything else? Have you planted anything around the base of the plant? Um, just a few uh, annual flowers each year, that's all. Yeah, okay, and that shouldn't be a big deal. I mean, it's it's not as vigorous as a Jack Manny, <clears throat> as an example. 
uh, quickly on the web. It's just saying that this plant will grow six to eight feet a year. Mm-hmm. I cut it down further than 18 inches in the spring. I would cut it down to about six inches. Fertilize okay. or at least amend the soil. Okay. Do your pruning when you can just see the leaves. They look like little mouse ears. They're just little buds that are furry. You'll it's it happens in April usually depends on the spring might be might be May. Sharp pruners, dry day. Just grab the the handful of stems, chop them all off at the roughly six inches height. Compost what you've cut out. Amend the soil. Be very careful with the what you've left behind. Clematis or clematis is very very brittle, and I find that it will it will crack, it will break, it will end up with clematis wilt if you mess around with it too much. So mm-hmm. once you've done that pruning, uh, gently amending the soil. You don't need to dig it in. Just get some good composted material in around the the base, about an inch deep, and and stand back and watch. And of course, you've, it has something to grow on. You've got a trellis or something. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what? That's what I would do. I mean, clematis should get better. It shouldn't. It that's shouldn't right. deteriorate with age. It should get yeah, better. Yeah, I know. It, was, it used to be beautiful. Hmm. You know? Nothing else has changed around there. There's no dogs peeing or anything like that. You know. No. What I mean? No. no I have a grapevine that sort of grows. It's about uh, fifteen feet away, and I have an arbor over that, and it's, it usually reaches out that far to the clematis but mm. that's sort of where it stops so and that's been there for years and it's not shading no it shouldn't be because we always say clematis uh, roots in the shade head in the sun cool roots right yeah yeah, yeah. so as long as you... mean, if, if it's been there for 15 years and only the last few years it's going yeah yeah odd, that's something's going on environmentally that you're not you got you got to study that a little bit i think okay mm, so wait until it's showing that little furry yeah, growth in, in the spring before i the little buds yeah and don't and don't hesitate go right down to like i say 6 yeah. inches and when you do that you're going to be taking off vines that have buds on it don't That's feel fine. sorry for no, them. It, Compost it'll them. take it. <laughs> okay. So grin and bear it. Right? <laughs> yeah, and it will grin with you because it'll. It should grow better. You should have a lot more new growth by giving that, that kind of a hard pruning. Yeah. Well, it. You know, there's always lots of green, mm-hmm. but just as I say, recently I've had very few blooms. Talk to me about fertilizer. I haven't really fertilized it. Is much. it near your lawn? Is it getting lawn fertilizer on it? Nope. Just it's in a spot right by my side door. Mm. So when we get a lot, a lot they're of, all by itself. Okay, when we get a lot of green on flowering plants, we always uh, suspect nitrogen, too much nitrogen. Okay, so the soil is too good. We want it to struggle. We yeah, want it to more. think it's going to die, <laughs> and then it'll flower do its best to procreate. Yeah. How, do you normally put manure around the base or anything like that? No. No. I don't know what to say. I shouldn't be, right? I wouldn't put straight... Well, I mean, I would. I would amend the soil. You can always, always improve your soil with whatever organic matter, whether it's your homemade compost or a bag of composted manure. Uh, Do you have any bone meal at home? I don't think so. Okay, because I'd even throw a handful of that on in the spring while I was doing the the manure. That's been, a bit been proven con- to be a... Controversial. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so go. cut it back and... Add some 
fertilizer and bone meal. Yeah. Right? Well, yeah. So choose either synthetic, you know, miracle Grow, or choose organic. Personally, I would choose organic to supplement the soil and and then stand back and let it grow. I I think that it's, it, might just, it might be something that simple. And you really, yeah, cutting down on the leaves would be good, but you can't do anything. The leaves will come, but hopefully flowers will as well. Thanks, I hope Pat. so. Yeah. I will let, let you know. know. Yeah. You have homework. <laughs> I expect to hear from you next early summer. Count the flowers and let me know. <laughs> and the other question no, I... No, 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 what, no. What's our mantra, Paul? Sorry. Only one question per call. Yes. Call early, call often. Oh, sorry. And, and one oh, question oh, per call. Maybe it uh, might be an idea. Give the numbers quickly, if you don't mind, Paul, and then um, we could go to an email. Uh, or first, we'll talk to Joni out of Milton, and, but you do the numbers. All right. one 740 from almost anywhere. And if you are local, 416-360-0740. I do want to mention that I thought Frank was going to be here today. And Paul, thank you very much for showing up So on such short notice. Frank had all the intentions of the world of being here after not being with us for quite a number of weeks. And then he had a, a bad fall yesterday, hit his head and said, I don't think I should be driving. I think I need to just rest in bed and look after myself. I was like, okay, so fingers crossed, Frank will be with us next Saturday. But, you know, I, I've got Paul in my memory dial now on my phone, <laughs> you know, 10 o'clock at night. So what are you doing tomorrow, Paul? Yeah, well, I'm not working tomorrow. I yes. got some stuff to do around the house. But so hey. perfect. I know. Thank you again. Joni's giving us a call from Milton. Good morning, Joni. Oh, hi there. Uh, Yes, I guess this might be along the lines of soil um, augmentation, Mm -hmm. but I don't really know. I have, it's to do with uh, shells. I have a big bucket of shells that I've collected over the years from the lakeside, from the seaside. And rather than trying to dispose of them somehow, I wondered if there was any... um, uh, if there was any benefit to to adding those to the soil in some fashion, pulverizing or whatever? Well, yes, yes, and no. I mean, it's, what are the shells made out of? Right, calcium. Yep. Um, I'm, I'd have to look more deeper into what shells are made out of. It's not bad. Everything that's in the shell is good. It's good for the soil. It's good for plants. However, it's a very long-term project as they slowly become soluble. Pulverizing them would speed up uh, solubility, but that'd be a kind of a horrible job to do. That would be a lot of work. It'd be easier to spread them on the seaside. Yeah, almost. Let somebody else find them. Well, or people sometimes just use them for ornamental purposes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like it could be, like like you're saying, like crafts. But even in the garden, I've seen, you know, you might have a one garden that would, you edge them with the shells. Or one garden, like a rock garden, where you tuck shells. And you've got rocks, plants, and shells tucked right. in. So, and they're just tucked on the surface of the soil. So they add a little bit of a, you know, kind of a whimsical uh, look. And they, like I say, they, they remind you of your trips to the ocean and the seaside. Etc., and they also slowly, slowly are releasing minerals. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, okay. Otherwise, yeah, like Paul's point, just take those buckets, put them in your trunk, and go back to the, yeah, the dump back, back on the lake. Yeah. 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 Back yeah. to Dominican Republic where you found yeah, them. Yeah, there's oh, a good well, excuse. No, got an excuse to go. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably illegal to take those back, actually. But yeah, that's what I would say. Okay. Thanks right. for calling. Thank you. Right. Bye bye. One of my students was asking me yesterday about um, eggshells. 
and because he's he works as a his own kind of maintenance thing and he said his he's got these clients they've got eggshells all over the place and he's telling them stop with the eggshells you know you're not it's not a good thing you know you're you're making a mess of the garden and and they're like no 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 eggshells are good so i said yeah eggshells are good he goes but they're sharp and i said so he goes well don't the roots get cut by the shells? I was like, no. <laughs> the roots, roots are smarter than that. Exactly. Roots move work around the shells. And the good thing is slugs, snails, we like them crawling over sharp things. We like it when their little bellies are lacerated and their innards <laughs> ooze out. That's a happy day for me. <laughs> so, <laughs> I know it doesn't sound very nice, but that's, uh, that's what we do. I'm going to read you an email. Ready? Sure. Paul DeGroote. Sure. All right. This is about Japanese maples. So it's, hi, Charlie. This is from Bridget in Etobicoke. It is a fairly old email. So hopefully Bridget is listening. She has a Japanese maple. She's had it for 17 years. But in the last two years, the foliage is no longer deep red. Its leaves are yellowish with brown tips. I've noticed this year that the trunk has a crack down the middle of the trunk. Could it be the soil? I have read about mixing peat moss with topsoil and sand and putting it around the bottom of the tree and right away we say no don't do that uh is there something else i should do help 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 i don't want to lose it it was a gift for my husband 17 years ago anyway you can give advice greatly appreciated and um yeah there you go bridget etobicoke japanese maple i think a lot of people listening have that issue with the leaves so let's just say what's that leaf issue with all those curl tips that one I don't know. I yeah. was going to address the bark. Okay, you do the bark, I'll do the leaves. I'm guessing that that split is on the southwest side or south side, west side, whatever. And that on a really, really cold day, but bright and sunny. In the winter. In the winter. Oh, the sun shone on the bark on that side, started activating it. But the problem with a with a clear sunny day is that you get a very cold night and that froze individual cells in that liquids that had thawed and of course what happened to those cells when the liquids expand went and they break is there anything you can do for it not much you could try to or yeah you could add one of those spiral white wraps that you see for sure to prevent further damage this fall Later this fall. Yep. Oh, or even now, you mean just to hold. See, if the uh, bark no. is kind of hanging and ragged, uh, don't like if some, if bark is actually really, it probably isn't, but if it is, you can just trim, clean cut the bark away because you don't want it hanging and, ra- and ragged. If it's just a straight crack, leave it alone. Make sure it's dry. Make sure it's clean. Don't touch it. <laughs> don't, don't do any cutting. Don't do any spraying. None of that pruning paint. Nothing. Just let it be. It will heal itself if the tree has the vigor and health to do so. Right. The white spiral thing is a good idea because that's going to reflect away sun this winter and not make that crack worse. Yeah. Um, and that's a very common problem on trees that have bark that's of the darker variety. Many of the Japanese maples, that's eh, like a dark gray. And it's that's darker colors, of course, absorb the heat. And apparently... The thinner the bark. True. And the Japanese maples are famous for thin bark. 
Yeah, so it could be that. And the, the, the issue with the foliage, of course, the crispy tips, the not so deep of a purple color, that's connected totally to the environment. I hate to say it, but climate change is, is happening. Our summers are hotter than they've ever been. We are seeing scorch damage on foliage that we have not seen it traditionally. And now we're starting to see it every year. You know, it used to be that the odd year, the, the fringe leaf t- Japanese maples would get a little yeah, crispy. Couple of- every couple of years, but not traditionally not consistently. And now I think we're seeing it pretty consistently. So it's sun. It's just too much sun and too much heat. You can't stop the heat. Not quite sunburn, but sunburn. It's, yeah, it is. And it is called scorch, you know, and it is, it's a syndrome more than anything. It's not like a disease or anything. It's just a response to the environment. So all you can do is, you know, make sure this this tree is never suffering for lack of water, water at, at ground level, water the feeder roots, not at the base not of the center. stem. And, uh, and the feeder roots are at the drip line and beyond. Trim out any dead stuff. Fertilize in the spring if you're going, if, oh, and or amend soil. I'm a big soil amender with older plantings. Not, not chemical fertilizers. Mm-hmm. If you can help it. Mm-hmm. If you can help it. Cause it's, it's a, just too much of a push of growth. Yeah. It's better to just slowly feed things like trees. Uh, and it, you know, is maybe look at whether you could provide a little more shade for it. Maybe it's just in a little too much sun. Maybe. I'm not sure. Okay, we got to go. I just realized we are a few minutes past our next break. So be right back after this. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Aha, that was quick. We're back. We've got a calling in from Guelph. Is it Jenny? Hi. Hi, good morning. Hi, um, I have uh, grown sweet peas and morning glory from seed, and they're huge plants, but I don't have a single bloom on any of them. I fertilized the sweet peas. I didn't fertilize the morning glory, and they get about six hours of sun a day. Huh. Is your soil particularly clay-based? Is it quite a moist soil all the time, like after all this rain particularly? No, it's actually in a very, very dry area, but I, I watered as often as I could. Mm. And I had amended the soil with manure um, and compost in the spring. And I, I did, for, I, I'm repeating myself. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, no, no, it's okay. Uh, to some extent, I would, I would say you, you did too much care, too much TLC. I mean, sweet uh. peas, though, should have responded to this. Morning glories are pretty tough plants. You can throw morning glory seeds into a park, gravel in a parking lot, and they'll probably grow and yeah. flower, right? Uh, and, and same and, with and flower. Yeah, yeah. Uh, same with nasturtiums, right? The drier, the more gravelly, the more stressful, hot, dry the circumstances, the more flowers you tend to get on right. on both morning glories and nasturtiums. Sweet peas, though, should have responded to your some of your TLC, and and it sounds like they did. Everybody grew like stink, but failed yeah. to flower. Yeah. Tell me what fertilizer you used. I'm sorry, I don't know the name of it, but it was um, for, flower. for flowering plants. Oh, right. Yeah, I didn't use just the the regular one. I I did use like for a flowering plants. Yeah. And I guess my only other question is, how many times did you fertilize? Like, as- um, maybe three times. Yeah, because the directions will always say, you know, use this every seven days yeah, or something. No way. Don't. Yeah. Thank you. <clears throat> That's way too much. Uh, yeah. Okay, so my best suggestion is stop the love. 
and yeah. and try it again next year. Location sounds fine. Choice of plant sounds fine. Everything sounds fine. No fertilizer. And I would even pull back on the watering. Once the, the seeds have germinated, you're seeing some good growth from those little seedlings. And they're yeah. you know, looking pretty like green and happy and, and luscious. Let them be. Obviously, you may have to water if we get into drought. But yeah. don't be too consistent with your watering. Make them suffer a little bit. And you oh, okay. may just find that they will perk up with all kinds of flowers. Like Paul was saying, we have this anthropomorphic thing we do with plants, where we say they think they're going to die, therefore yeah. they, because flowers are really all about seed formation, they right. they do set flowers when they're under stressful conditions. So, oh, okay. stress them out a bit. Okay. All right. And you can also swear at them, that works too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thanks Threaten so them. I, I threaten. I think that that works pretty good. <laughs> okay. Thanks so much. Thanks for calling. I know. So okay. scientific. But, you know, it goes back to the commercial apple growers. What do you do when your apple trees aren't flowering like they're supposed to? You get out big chains and you whip the trunks with the chains and they flower like crazy. So it's all about stress. Now, I wouldn't do chains because that seems weird. It seems like you would do like long-term damage. Anyway. Yeah, not to mention. But um, still, I I have done, you know, the rolled up newspaper, hit the, the the trunks of trees and yell at them like rows of Sharon. I had a rose of Sharon that refused to ever, it would set buds, but the buds would never oh, open. Oh, that's not fair. Just a teaser. Oh, absolutely. Hundreds of buds. Just, I'd be, you know, hanging there, waiting, cracking, a little bit of color showing, and then, you know, frost. Done. Gone. Yeah. yeah. All right, we've got, let's see if we've got time. Oh, you know what? Well, let's do our last break. Get that out of the way, and then we will talk to Sharon, who's calling in from Gravenhurst. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips, and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. All righty, we've got Sharon calling in from Gravenhurst. Good morning. Good morning, Paul and, and Charlie. Uh, what I was phoning about was I grew tomatoes in containers this year, and they are really coming to an end soon. Mm-hmm. Should I just cut them down or pu- try to pull the whole plant out <laughs> of the pot? Good luck with that. Tomatoes <laughs> are pretty vigorous with their roots. Mm. I would uh, I would cut them down. And then next spring, assuming you want to do the same thing again, and in those containers, was it straight potting mix, or did you have a mix of soils? I had a mix of soil. Right. So it's expensive. Obviously, you buy triple mix, you buy potting soils. There's nothing wrong with that soil unless you've got the local cat population using those pots as kitty litter boxes all winter. I would plan... Save the soil. Save the soil, yeah. So in the spring, you'll be able to... Those roots will be much looser than they are now. So you'll dig, 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 get the roots out, stick them in the compost, pump up the soil. You're going to probably have to add some and then get back to... uh, Fertilizing because tomatoes love their fertilizer and uh, replanting into those pots. That's what I would do. Okay, so I'll just cut them back and wait till next, yeah. next season then. Let them be. Yeah, it's yeah. hard to get them out. The roots are pretty uh, intense. They have roots. <laughs> yeah, they have significant, <laughs> roots. significant. I like that. That's good. Thanks okay, for your thank call. Thank you very much. Bye bye. Yeah. Bye bye. So, uh, you got anything exciting going on uh, later today? Oh, no. You know, the things around the house. And- not chores. Chores. Except gardening is never a no. chore, right? Oh, but it's a, it's, it's, for me, it's work. Uh, because, oh, because you work. Because That's your work. I, 
Exactly. Yeah. And you work long hours. In the spring, we do put in a few hours, yes. More than a few. Yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Hundreds. <laughs> yes. Dawn till dusk, really. My worst weeks way back when would have been 85, 86 hours in a week. And wow. we don't work Sundays. Wow. Now that Those has are been long cut back days. significantly. Of course, now. Hey, today's the first weekend of fall. Today's the first Saturday of autumn. We had our equinox the other day. While we were having all that rain, did it, rain it rained a bit where you are? Yeah, we did have a couple of drops. Ah, uh, yeah, it was good. It's a bit much for some people, but they, we had lots of warning. That was a good thing. Right. I mean, everybody yeah, should have been prepared. Little, we had more than two inches at work and at home, and in Cambridge, they had four inches. I was going to say, like, over the two days, I was yeah. at that little venue last night where the wedding was. Soggy? Uh, yes, hard to walk in the grass. Uh, yeah. Oh, wow. Splashy almost. almost. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's the thing about drainage. We really notice the, dra- the areas that are or aren't well drained when uh, we get that kind of significant rain. Yes, indeed. Well, I tell you, I was pretty happy. I mean, we had water in our ditch. I haven't seen that since <laughs> last March. <laughs> that's pretty exciting where I live. Wee-haw, let's go dance in the ditch. <laughs> so, hey, listen, have we got an email there you want to read? Um, oh, I know. I've got one for you. Japanese Snowbell. Ooh, okay. Styrax. Styrax Japonica. She, uh, the writer of this, which is Alicia, it looks like, and Greg, quite a long email, but the bottom line is they have a cottage in the, south, she says, South Niagara, or south of Niagara. So that's one of the warmer parts of Ontario, right? So she bought and planted... And last August, September, a beautiful tree named Marley's Pearl. So it's Styrax japonica Marley's Marley's Pink, I should say, commonly known as Japanese Snowbell. It is a very pretty tree if you look at it on Google. So they planted the tree at the cottage located in the Haldeman County, south of Niagara, hoping that everything the following spring, this past spring, the tree would be blooming and be beautiful flowers, but so disappointed, no blooms, not even leaves. And uh, so she sends some pictures, and of course there's a, a tree. It, would, it looks like it's about five, six feet tall, no leaves on it, obviously no flowers. A little bit of green leaf from the bottom of the tree, from the base at ground level, uh, and that was about June. They saw that. Haven't done any pruning. Everything's all dried up. Is this tree dead? Is there any hope for it? What do you think, Paul? Well, I looked at that picture, and I don't see oh, what we would call a root flare. I don't see a ring of mulch around it. In my opinion, it may have been planted too deep, which renders the bark at the very bottom. Under, it's underground. Under, underground. Yeah. It starts to rot, and it is incapable of doing the things that it needs to do. And that's why there's a little bit of twig beside the stem. The roots are still trying to actively grow, Mm -hmm. and they produce at least something. Yeah, they got a little bit of carbs, storage uh, energy from last year. But they... Appears to have shriveled up and died. Now, you, you right. mentioned there's no mulch. Mulch makes a huge difference. If anything, it looks like the grass is being allowed to grow up to the, the base of the tree. 
Yeah. Or whatever clover, maybe it's the clover, which is, I mean, I love clover, but with newly planted trees, we like to keep them clean and clear around the tree. Don't want anything growing there. We don't, we want to minimize competition for the new tree. Get that in the ground at the right height. And I think you're right. It almost looks like the trunk narrows as it's getting down to. It's an odd. It's, yeah. it's kind of opposite. It should be more like that, right? <laughs> um, the flare you refer to is the widening of the flaring of the trunk, which goes right at ground level. It, it might not be your fault. The newest recommendations are plant even higher, in, especially in clay. And mm-hmm. actually, that area might be clay. Mm-hmm. I'm a little familiar with that area. Mm-hmm. Uh, the newest recommendations are to plant up to four inches above what? soil level. And? At your root flare mm-hmm. at four inches above soil level, whereas in sandy, lighter soil, mm-hmm. two inches. Sorry, that's five centimeters. Still and 10 above, centimeters. yeah. But keep it high. Plant low, never but, grow. But you don't want your roots exposed to the air. Not exposed, but that root flare at four inches above, and then but a what wee if, little layer of soil on top of that. Yeah. So and, what happens? And then mulch. Yeah. But don't let the mulch touch, touch the stem. Right. Yeah. And I, mulch makes all the difference because at right. my place where I planted proud, as we're saying, or high, mm-hmm. uh, various evergreens last fall. Everything was great. Levels were good. Soil was good. Everything was a go. But then I did, I ran out of time to put mulch on the surface of the soil. And guess what happened? The wind blew and it blew and it blew and it blew. And the sun came out and this wind blew soil off the root balls. And what, then we had roots exposed and the sun shone. And these are evergreens. So there they are being subjected to wind and sun. And now they've got exposed roots. And they said, no, I can't do this. And three out of six died. Didn't make it. They can put up with a whole lot, but that's the end of it. That, and those are hardy white spruce. Like we're talking yeah. tough trees. So then, you know, I think the mulch is really a key point there is the mulch will hold the soil. It'll minimize the competition from plants around you. And, uh, and the planting, better to err on planting too high than planting too low. Yeah. Yeah. That's the bottom line. Oh, we got to go. Paul, Paul, thank you. Thank you. Thanks this has been such a pleasure. See you again soon. And everybody, thanks for your calls. See you again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.